to part two of our Good Friday podcast, which is a personal reflection in music and story of what I think it means to stand at the foot of the cross today, to embrace the mystic's life, and that in its simplest form is to embrace the sacred in all people and all matter. And this, of course, is open to everyone, regardless of formal religious inclinations or lack thereof. Still, there is, on this Good Friday, an opportunity to contemplate the unique mystic tradition within the Christian faith. For standing at the foot of the cross has a particular meaning within our faith story, though the principles within it are universal. I am Reverend Candace Bist, and along with my husband, Bruce Lee, we serve the Shelburne Primrose Pastoral Charge in Southern Ontario, which is part of the United Church of Canada. We are, all of us, living through uncertain times. But I am hoping that during this time, when traveling out and about is ill-advised, your spirit will calm and there will be time to consider the larger matters. We don't often do that in our hurly-burly lives, but here now is an opportunity. May the music and thoughts here offered grant you a time of rest and reflection.
To begin, I offer as call to worship and opening prayer a meditation on one who stood at the foot of the cross in our passion story. He was a soldier, a centurion. He is the literary creation of the writers in three of the gospel tellings, no doubt a composite character, allowing us to see that some of those who behaved badly within our story, both at the time and then the times afterwards, had regrets, had new thought arise, perhaps saw things differently, perhaps would have done things differently had they had the chance to do them again. The centurion and his plight has held my attention since I was a child. He is as real to me as any person that lived in the flesh. There is a large painting that hangs in our dining room, and when Bruce painted it, he called it Spaceship. But when I looked at it, I saw the centurion in his helmet, and Bruce, ever gracious with his gifts, has allowed me to rename the painting and will not sell it, for he knows it has great meaning to me. The centurion watches over me. He stands in solidarity with me. Like all wounded healers, he knows his own weakness and is thus always sympathetic to mine. Here is my thought poem for the centurion, the painting, and all of us. He weeps, the centurion, for all he could not see, and when too late he realized his error. I weep too, for these many years later, my blindness is just as brutal. I, like he, am covered in the froth and fleck of the blood of the forgotten and maligned, those left to die alone, affliction branding their spirit with the hot poker of chance, the salt on their wounds, our contempt, the vinegar are turned backs, and their final desolation, our collective murmured condemnation. We can only hope our mingled tears will wash us, if not free and clean, at the least fresh enough for new beginnings. Where else is there to turn but back upon ourselves Hearts broken open with remorse, softened with humility, walking at last in companionship with a God whose tears mingle with our own. Weep then, dear centurion, and I will comfort you, and you me.
stand at the foot of the cross is to stand in solidarity with all those who suffer injustice, all those broken by their burdens, all those dying from neglect. Sometimes that person is outside of ourselves, and sometimes that person is us. Either way to stand at the foot of the cross is to stand in solidarity with sadness, dismay, despair, horror, terror, confusion, to witness the reality of suffering. It is not a place of fixing, nor even changing, though certainly social justice issues may emerge from the discipline of solidarity that does require action and energy. But first, before any kind of movement, there must be a time of comradeship with the pain, allowing the contemplative spirit to open our eyes to the struggle. Over the years that Bruce and I have written music together, suffering people have come to visit us through our music and our art. They come uninvited, floating or sometimes barging into our consciousness, sometimes fully formed to arrive on a blank canvas or a piece of paper, though even then they remain a mystery at the same time they have infiltrated our family of thought. Sometimes they arrive with a tune formed already and gift themselves as offering. They stand there begging to be heard, asking for their voice to be brought forth, and we try as best we can to honor them. Sometimes they are there in the morning waiting with their sorrow, no melody, no sound, no words to express their inner struggle. And you have to sit with them, waiting, waiting, hoping that you will be able to capture some essence, fearing they will flee before you have accomplished the task. There are so many of them. And I would gather them all to me if I could, but of course I cannot. But what I want is for you to see them and to notice them, to be aware of them, because they are all around us. And in truth, they are you, and they are me, and they are all of us. And in the Christian tradition, we would say they are Christ also, waiting for us to see them. To stand at the foot of the cross is to stand with them, to walk by them and not see them, is to allow their personal crucifixion to go unseen and dishonored. Here are three of our visitors. Perhaps you will recognize them. Perhaps they are you. Perhaps you have passed them by, but maybe not next time.
Sometimes trouble seems to drag behind a person like a soiled shirt tail. Musically, this song has been arranged a dozen different ways. In the end, Bruce found this up-tempo interpretation for a lyric that is decidedly not. But somehow, strangely, we liked it best of all. The original track was heavier and came to me with the worn-out luggage of a man down on his luck, humbled by his mistakes, mired in regret, yet having experienced the flickers of wisdom that often emerge from ugly living. He showed up muddy, soiled, and smelling of damp marshes and labor. I loved him from the moment he arrived. I knew his secrets would never be mine. Some losses leave their mark upon a person and can never be shared. There is a kind of sacredness to patient desolation, a priestly bearing that makes of each movement a ballet of sorrow. He is not in the habit of letting others too close this man, but I wrapped my prayer for him in the paper aeroplane of this song and sent it gently over his shoulder when he was deep in thought. And just to make sure it flew the right way, I placed a kiss on the right wing. I hope it eased his burden. I do, I do. Lifts me very gently, a soft hand beneath 
Webster Dictionary defines a freedom fighter as a person who takes part in a resistance movement against an oppressive political or social establishment. The term is, however, relativistic, given by those who would agree that the freedom a person is fighting for is, in fact, a worthy pursuit. Those who do not agree with the pursued freedoms may see a so-called freedom fighter as an insurrectionist, or in today's language, a terrorist. Jesus was a freedom fighter. Well, to those who followed him, he was. But of course, to the Roman Empire, he was an insurgent, thus the punishment of crucifixion, a tortured humiliation, a public viewing of what happens to all those who oppose the status quo, the power of the ruling empire. But Jesus was not a freedom fighter or an insurgent in the way that these matters were seen at the time or these many years later. Jesus was concerned with the inner freedom of the soul and following that, the intellect, knowing that once a person or group of people had come to understand their innate belovedness and by extrapolation, the belovedness of all people, they would be strong enough to stand before all those who tried to oppress, control, or confine the richness of this world that must always flow freely. Jesus was a freedom fighter, taking part in the resistance movement against our own oppression, external and internal, with the full confidence that once this was achieved, it could topple any regime any economy, any political power. Those with the courage to take up this work of the Spirit continue today, though it is a bloody business. Real freedom fighters are most often found in the combats of ordinary dress, and they are all around us. When I was in seminary, I traveled regularly on public transportation to the city through the long, dark winter months. Still half asleep in the murky early morning light, I'd be jostled through the portal of the bus door to be transported with other strangers into the big smoke we call Toronto. As we traveled through the darkness, the bus's instrument panel would blink out its carnival lights as personal computers opened and closed, allowing Tinkerbell snippets to sparkle and trail throughout the bus. And I would imagine that as we traveled, great swaths of colored ribbons trailed behind us, densely covered in the endless stories that belonged to those of us inside that magical bus. The secret lives of all those I pass during the day touches me. I see their faces, hear their voices, 
Watch them interact and all the while wonder at the universe of stories stacked in neat files in the library of their minds, some marked, do not open. In my own life, there have been times it has taken every ounce of courage just to dress myself and head out the door for the simplest of errands. I know I cannot be alone in this. Which is why when someone in front of me is taking a long time at some portal, a cash register, a door of a bus, a stop sign, struggling in some way, my heart lurches. And I wonder at their courage, at their story, at their unique contribution to the whole. And I wonder, too, at what part of their internal tale they are currently working through. The man in our next song struggles perhaps from some malady we have named, addiction, depression, despair. But mostly he struggles to live out his own story, to battle the demons that surround him, to find a way to exist in wholeness, even as past trauma and present anxieties snatch at his coat sleeve. Next time you are out and about, you might notice him. He's a real freedom fighter, as are we all when we fight to become who we are. Between his eyes, lined up and blindfolded, hell, everybody dies. Oh, God, it's dark. Dark, dark, dark. Oh, God, it's dark. So damn dark. Daybreak, demons out of sight, devil spoiling for some fun, gonna take him for a ride. Dangerous delusions crawling up the wall, mocking condemnations. I lined up in the hall. Oh God, it's dark. Yeah, you're useless and unworthy 
take the trip to get him here You'll never understand He's leading the resistance He's a lowest stifled saw He's a true freedom fighter Don't you leave him to the mob You stand so still Carrying all our fears Can you see Around the time this next tune arrived on my desk, I was pondering a lengthy conversation I had had with a friend who had worked in the sex trade. She had lived on the street as a young person, having left a volatile, chaotic home, the trading of sexual favors for cash a natural outcome. It was, she told me, a dangerous, murky life. All these years later, its mark is still upon her. At the same time, there was much public debate about the legalization of prostitution in our country. And in the life of my local community, there were too many suicides of young people. Somehow, this all melded together into my imagining a young prostitute torn between her current life and the life she desires, and the equally powerful pull to end life altogether. Like a butterfly that has been pinned through the midsection, she feels immobilized, longing to move away from where she is, but seemingly unable to fly forward towards something else. And in the midst of her quandary lurks the ever-present possibility of giving herself over to the appealing numbness of death. It is not an uncommon posture, trapped between what is and what might be. In mindfulness, we might recognize this stance more often, for it is all around us. So often, we hold it ourselves. Sometimes, to tip the balance one way or the other, all that is required is a hand offered in a gesture of friendship and welcome. Sitting down at the side of the road Wondering which way to go Sunrise twinkling over the hills and shadows Laying over her soul What's a woman supposed to do? She's pulling two different ways So hard to hang on Yeah, it's hard to hang on Sitting down there thinking Resisting all she knows Waiting for some understanding She should go Her high heels steady on the ground Hold her captive here It's hard to hang on Yeah, it's hard to hang on 
you can't go on. I've so often wondered about the Marys, Mary Magdalene, Mary Mother of Jesus. Where did they go when their hearts were broken? Where did they go for comfort? Where do any of us go when we are bereft? Hopefully, there were shoulders for the Marys to cry upon. Hopefully, You have a shoulder to cry on, if not a physical one, then a prayerful one, where you can go and rest your head and come to feel whole again. That is such a small thing to offer another, is it not? Though it might shift the axis of a whole world without us knowing. To offer someone a place to cry, a place to hold their sorrow, a place to try and find their way through, that is a grand gesture, a grand sharing. I am hoping, if you are given the opportunity to offer a shoulder to cry upon, you will not refuse it. In our particular time, that shoulder may come in the simple form of a telephone call, or a note, or a prayer, or a remembrance. Do not refuse to give it. It will be your own sanctification. Can I lay my head upon your shoulder? Can I lay my heavy 
I will leave you with a meditation inspired by another of Bruce's paintings and a reworking and rewriting of a classic hymn from the 19th century. The painting of which I speak hangs not in our dining room, but in that of our oldest son, Michael. It is entitled, The Scales of Justice. It is large with many layers of red paint the scales broad brushstrokes of white. It has been said by some spiritual thinkers that the crucifixion of Jesus reflects perfect justice, and this seems so to me, because perfect justice comes continually towards us in the form of new alignments, 
new shifts in thinking that hopefully bring humanity collectively to a higher place, a more benevolent understanding of itself. We are, in a way, living through a time of crucifixion, a time when old ways will not suffice, and yet the new way, or at least the particularities of it, are unknown. There will be a lot of standing at the foot of the cross. There will, hopefully, be many offers of a shoulder to cry on and places to seek comfort, not in distractions, though they have their place, but in gentle conversation, in open-ended wonderings, and above all, in grace, which is unmerited gift that we are to give and receive with generosity. evil are but the same, balanced at different points along the taut line of life that holds us in tension. Careening to one side, we lavish the world with our generous spirit. Then slipping back, we gather everything to us in parsimonious hoarding. Like children on a teeter-totter, we fling ourselves into the air, higher, higher, squealing with delight at the power we yield. Then we crash to the ground, throwing another, higher, higher, worshipping their accomplishments while groveling in our so-called sin in the arid playground dust created by so many little feet before us. Our view is of opposites, categories, separation. It is a faulty viewing. We are all a shared continuum. Our gracious intentions, but the extrapolation of our fault lines. Our supposed error, but the extension of our innate goodness where we are gifted, in exaggeration, we are disgraced. Be gentle then, little ones, and keep your balance. Purest joy is not riding high, but moving in sweet harmony with the daily life that is given. We are not to charge against ourselves in combat, but walk sweetly, hand in hand, on our soul's journey, offering peace and grace and justice to all.
Bye. 